0: So continuing on with the study of the spirit, soul, and body, we'll look at the uh, soul some more tonight, and I think I even mentioned this last time, that knowing you're soulish is not enough just to know that you're soulish. There is much to this soul area, and uh, the Greek word for soul we've seen uh, is used a lot of times in the English for life. Um, sometimes you'll see it in your translations. And so if you'll look that up, you'll, you you don't want to mistake it for zoi life when the actual Greek word is, is suke. And um, in some cases, the word for life is that Greek word sukikos or suki kos with K-O-S at the end. And that that is derived from suki, uh, soul, and uh, it means natural. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll see an example there. Look at verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so the word here for natural is this word psychikos spelled P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S in the Greek. And that type of person cannot receive uh, the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him. And not only that, he cannot know them because they are spiritually or pneumatikos discerned the greek word being for spiritually in this case is p n e u m a t i k o s sure p n e u m a t i k o s so you see the the similarity here of the two words, both end in the same, uh, same ending, the last uh, four letters. But one is of the soulish realm and one is of the spiritual realm. And we've seen and discussed how the spiritual and the natural realm clash with each other. Um, and so if you have a natural man, um, a soulish person, if they're if they're living in the soul realm, dwelling in the soul realm, they cannot discern the things of the Spirit. In fact, they the word here says it's foolishness to them. So maybe you've tried to talk to someone that was soulish, or someone's tried to talk to you and you were soulish, and you didn't have a clue what they were talking about, or they didn't have a clue what you were talking about. And the reason is because when you're... When you're dwelling in the soulish realm, and and remember that's self, in the self realm, wanting wanting to be self-esteem, self-liked, and all this, get things for self to save your soul, you don't want to really, you don't want to hear the things of the spirit. Uh, And in fact, you cannot understand it. So we have two things here. We have a natural man that cannot receive the things of the Spirit. But he's also this this a person like this is not even able to know them. Now this can be a this can be a believer or a non-believer. This can be a believer or a non-believer. You go up to a Just any person on the street and try to talk to them about spiritual things, and they will not comprehend. It may, to some degree, sound logical, or it may sound illogical. Most of the time, it would be illogical. But it can be a believer or a non believer, and this depends on whether one is spirit controlled or soul controlled. And that's why previously we've talked about why it's so important that the soul be saved. Now, turn over a few pages to First Corinthians 3. Uh, we'll start at, uh, well, we'll look at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, here's this word again, but as to men of flesh, or as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? And in every instance here, the word carnal is the Greek word sarki. Sarkikos, S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. We've looked at this word before. But it can apply to the unregenerate or to carnal and fleshly or temporal. It's pertaining to the flesh. And here's another example of why it's important that our souls be saved Because otherwise we're just babes in Christ, our entire walk on this earth. And there's a lot of Christians that remain babes. Um, You know, a a real way of testing if a Christian is a carnal Christian or not is look at the example he shows. Is there not among you envying and strife? And divisions, and uh, that's a good test to see if a, if a person's of the spirit or or carnal, carnal Christian. Um, that covers a pretty broad area there, but there are other areas that are much that are pointed out in the scriptures too that go beyond just envy and strife and divisions. But he shows how the divisions developed. Some were saying, Well, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. And he's saying, Hey, don't, who are we? We're just ministers that brought the good news and you believed. You're not of me and you're not of Apollos. <clears throat> Hopefully, they were of Jesus Christ. Now, you've heard the the term, um, let's go soul winning. Now, think about that. No, they went out soul winning tonight. No, they didn't go out soul winning. They went out spirit winning. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, a a true evangelist, you, you can recognize them. All that's important is winning people to the Lord. And it's a very important gift. And and I've met these these people who are well-gifted in evangelism. And there's no other gift more important than evangelism. But all they're doing basically is, in the majority of cases, is they're winning their spirits. And the people are confessing and believing in Jesus. But as far as winning their soul, there's a walk to that, isn't there? And we've seen that. There's a daily walk and there's a bringing them into discipleship and enabling them to grow. And so the better term would be to be spirit winning. Um, And uh, it's after the spirit is won to the Lord that the soul winning begins on a daily basis. Um, Look at uh, Philippians chapter 2. And I'm, I suppose there's some just like with any, any gifting. If if you become carnal in it, you're going to have your, your chalkboards and your charts and, and your marks and. <laughs> and that can be with anything, uh, in Christianity, uh, you can say, well, I won five this month and I won ten next month and you know whatever you have these goals set before you, and you can really become a. Uh, Get soulish and all that too. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And what's that all about? Um, we have. Uh, we're saved by we're saved by we're saved uh, through grace by faith or the other way around, by faith through grace, through the grace of God. But here it's work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then we have some of these commands that uh, were talked about Sunday. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. The point of this is uh, that it is a... Uh, it's a daily walk, and we work out this salvation of the soul with fear and trembling, because uh, we can get, we can become carnally minded real easily. We can, we can exalt ourselves and get lifted up, uh, lift ourselves up, um, and all that's done in the soulish realm. Uh, we can become soulish to this to a great degree, thinking that we are something um, for God. We're, we're great people of God, and we are above those around us who are sinners. So we must be careful of that. Um, but here he says, to To work out our salvation with fear and trembling... And it's a walk of faith and obedience. Um, which, if our, uh, if our Lord and Savior could, could walk out this, his walk in obedience, how much more should we? <clears throat> much more so. Um, and uh, just on a separate note, in the field of psychology and psyche... Uh, if you've gone to a Christian bookstore lately, you see all kinds of stuff. How to be a better you and, yeah, how to be a better you and how to be a better whatever. There's all kinds of stuff out. And, this, and there's, there's Christian psychologists and, you know, the word, both in the psyche and psycho deal with the soul because it comes a derivative from the word suki from the Greek word suki. And so it's the uh, and then logia, or ology is is logia is the discourse. The discourse of the soul. And it's the study of the mind and the will and the emotions. That's all it is. And so you've got one guy that's one person, because it can be a lady too. You've got one person um, who is dealing from the soul realm, dealing with another person's soul. A psychologist, a psyche, if you will. Uh, And... uh, what can separate soul and spirit? It's only the Word of God, isn't it? Not doctors and, and uh, not uh, psychology or psychiatry or theologians but, or, or even pastors for that matter. It's only the Word of God. And it's only the Word of God that brings the separation. And uh, psychology ends up being the soul of one man probing the soul of another. And basing, the uh, uh, basing, the whatever you call it, upon facts and things that they've learned, book learned or experience learned, in trying to help another person. But the Word of God, breathed on by the Spirit of God, is able to to penetrate deep, and is able to penetrate to the hidden places deep within us and to bring them to reveal that. Really, he does. And it works. He really works. Um, In uh, Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground Now, you think about that. Now, I'm sure it didn't take God any time like it would take us to take dust from the ground and form a man. But he did that. The word says in in Genesis 2-7, he formed man from the dust of the ground. So if he took any time at all, here's this clay over here in the form of a man. But that's all it is. It's just a clay vessel. And God has a purpose for this clay vessel. And then He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And we've talked about this before, but you can imagine this that it was only and it was not until God breathed in the breath of, of His life into this man that man became a living soul. A living soul meaning an identity. One of a kind. He didn't do that with the animals. He only did that with man. And uh, and so he molded Adam the way that he wanted him. And he breathed into him his own breath of life or spirit. And it was at that point. Uh, God didn't put in man, breathe in his soul. Uh, God doesn't need a soul. He is. And uh, so he breathed in his very, the very spirit brought life. And then man became a, a living soul. And we've talked about how the soul is between the the vessel, acts between the vessel and the spirit within man. And is the functioning area. Um. Of the man, as far as mind, will, and emotions. Now he breathed in his life, and 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 man had a spirit, but I don't believe he had a Adam had an eternal spirit as far as eternal zoe life at that point. Um, but Adam did become an eternal being, and he he's he was going to. Uh, he was either going to be eternally living or eternally dead. <laughs> Just like man is today when they're born. Uh, you're going to be eternally living with God or you're going to be eternally dead. Um, the, uh, but he became, uh, he was one who could commune with God. And Adam did commune with God, didn't he? He had fellowship with God before the fall. He was able to talk with God and to walk with God. And, uh, and he didn't die, did he? Before the fall, he didn't. When he came into the presence of God. Um, look at uh, Genesis 3. And we've talked how the Spirit... It is through the Spirit that man has communion with God and has fellowship with God. A regenerated Spirit, a saved Spirit. But the original intention of God was that through the Spirit, man would be able to have communion with God and fellowship. Verse 8 of, of Genesis 3 And they, meaning Adam and Eve, heard the sound of of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And see, we see here that God walked in the garden to have fellowship and communion with Adam. And that's because Adam had a spirit. It doesn't say that God communed and had fellowship with the animals. Even the nice little sweet ones, the little puppies that are so cute. <laughs> and the little kittens. After Adam sinned, he can no longer be in God's presence. I look in uh, verse 24 of chapter 3 of Genesis. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So it was, and even verse 22, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now lest he stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever... Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. <coughs> Excuse me. So he was driven out of God's presence. And he lived for himself from that point on, not for God. Prior to the fall, Adam was in there basically living for God. He, he, he knew no sin, so he couldn't live for self. He could live in obedience. He was not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but from every other tree he could. He was to name all the animals, which he did. He was to cultivate the grounds uh, to some degree. but And he, he, just, he just did everything that God told him to because he didn't have a nature that would refute that. He didn't have the sinful nature at that time. But it was after the fall that all of a sudden, hey... I am naked and open, and I am fearful. The first time that ever happened, self-awareness entered in. We've talked about that. And so he and Eve ran. So he was innocent prior to the fall and had the availability to the tree of life. And after the fall, he had a sinful nature and could no longer dwell or have communion or fellowship with God. And that's why even when he had this fallen nature, he couldn't be in the garden because there's a possibility he could have partaken of that tree of life as a sinful, fallen being. And that was not in the plan of God. There had to be a substitute, didn't there? There had to be propitiation for the sin. Um, Now, let's turn over to... Matthew chapter 16, y'all tell me if you get too warm, 16 verse 25, for whosoever or whoever wishes to save his life, his soul shall lose it. But whoever loses his soul for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's a that's a good question, isn't it? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Will he give up uh, Will he will he give up his soul for comfort or so-called better life here on this earth to forfeit his soul? And there there's nothing wrong with that by any means. God gave us uh, uh, he he told man to uh, subdue the earth, and man is not only subduing the earth, but he's going up into the up up in the heavens now and subduing you know landing on planets and but um and and so i don't see anything wrong with all the things that man's doing i mean man is getting so far ahead in in the medical in the medical field it's incredible but there's always comes those that abuse it too isn't there and that happens a lot because of the sinful nature and uh but there's nothing wrong with comfort and a better, a better life, but you don't do it to forfeit your soul. See, and that, that's the fine line, um, is to do it in spite of, well, at the cost of your soul. Um, and so since man had only the sinful nature now, there was no way that God could have fellowship with man the way he desired without an exchange of natures. Um, The sinful nature had to be put away before God could truly commune and fellowship with whom he desired. And I I don't believe it was in God's eternal plan just to commune with man, just to commune with Adam. We know that his very heart and thought was his son. And... uh, and so in the in the long range plan was that Adam might i believe partake of the tree of life and and see his real need that man just eating from these other trees <clears throat> that are allowed and having everything supplied to me this there's there's got to be more to life than this you know and that's why in 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 our lives you know uh, we see we we read uh, Ecclesiastes, and we see that uh, that Solomon had it all, and he said, "Vanity of vanities." It means it, you, you get to a place where it just means nothing. There's not enough that this world can offer to satisfy me, and that's because God put within us the spirit who desired to have fellowship and communion with God, and. Uh, And so some of us might say, but just give us a little, you know. Um, Who is it? Topal says, uh, if I were a rich man, can I just have a little bit, you know? You don't have to keep it all away. (laughs) But But, um, so there had to be um, this exchange. There had to be this exchange. And uh, I call it a great exchange. The great exchange. And let's look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. You know, it's amazing. It does amaze me that that uh, <clears throat> we can... Remember I told you some time ago how deceptive our souls can be and uh, and we can hear what we want to hear because the soul can be so strong and so you'll that's why right now you need we need all of us need to get rooted and grounded in the word the true word the living word and because there's so much going on out there that of preaching and teaching and, and stuff of, of, uh, the, uh, what am I trying to say here? The go for the gusto and God, God will reward you with, with all this. And, uh, uh, you can hear it on TV and stuff. Yeah. And that's been going on for years. I mean, T. Austin Sparks talks about it, um, back in his days, many years ago. And, uh, and you can get under that and the soul can say yes to it so easily because the soul wants to hear that. The soul doesn't want to go to the cross. And uh, so you'll be hearing that and and agreeing with it. And we're going to go into some demonic stuff here in a little bit just to kind of discuss what happens. But But you're hearing that and you're agreeing with it. And so what's happening then is, as you're agreeing with it, you're saying, "Well, God's God's going to bless me. God can bless me with with this stuff, and yes, He can, but not at the not to forfeit your soul, not to go against the message of the cross, and that that just goes totally against what Jesus came for, was to refute the cross and to live for self, and." Um, there are many, many uh, uh, Christians who have denied themselves and taken up the cross, and God's blessed them, and they've given all the glory to God. And they they give it here, they give it there. They're constantly giving and laying down their lives, and God continues to bless them. And, that, and the other side of that is the soul would say, well, if I lay down my life, God will bless me. And it goes on for a while laying down your life but when you don't get blessed because god knows the motives of our hearts when all of a sudden you're not getting blessed you say that's enough of that god doesn't work (laughs) so so the soul that's that's just how deceitful the soul can be uh if if the cross hasn't been applied to every area of our lives so we look here in john chapter 10 and we see why we need a great exchange and who the great exchange is we all know uh Look at verse chapter John 10 verse 11. <clears throat> I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his soul or life for the sheep. He and then look at uh, I want to jump down to verse 15. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Now, Jesus is speaking here. And if you're not familiar with the words, you would think that he laid down his zoe life. Because Jesus is the zoe life. But he he laid down his soul. In every case here. See, the Word of God doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> the wording isn't. And the only errors are our English language is limited, but at least, thank the Lord, that they, like in my Bible, they put the word, the number of the word here so I can check it in the Greek. Or you can look it up in a Greek lexicon or something. Or um, a good Greek study Bible. Mm-hmm. But he laid down his soul. Um He didn't didn't lay down his Zoi life because the Zoi life can't be put to death. It's eternal, everlasting. But the soul is self. And think about that. Jesus laid down himself for our sake. That's what he did here. He lays down his life for the sheep in every case. Even and in, in verse 17 again, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Uh, no one is taken away from me that I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my father. Now, who is your life? And he has authority to lay down his life or to take it up again. Many people struggle with laying down their lives. Well, yeah. It's impossible for you to lay down your life. But Christ has authority to to lay down his life and to take it up. So if Christ is your life, you shouldn't have any problem laying down your life. Because he's got the authority to do it. And he's able to. So... That's really comforting to me because there are times that I just cannot, I don't want to. (laughs) And then the Lord reminds me that, hey, you're supposed to be dead. Reckon yourself dead unto sin. And Jesus can lay, the lamb always lays down his life. That's his nature. You lay it down. You don't try to save your soul or lift your soul up. Um, so all these cases life is soul um, now let's go back to Isaiah chapter 53 <clears throat> we'll look at we'll start at verse 10 Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him; he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul, and I, I want to stop here because um, um, I guess the New American doesn't read quite like that. It reads, but the Lord was pleased to crush him. This, yeah, Isaiah fifty-three ten. The Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief if he would render himself or his soul as a guilt offering. And this this word here, himself, which is the New American, and, and in the King James, his soul, it's the same word that's used in Genesis 2-7, man became a living soul. And so then it continues on. Uh, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall, see, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Now look at the we're seeing from the Father's perspective here, from his viewpoint. He's, seeing, he's saying that that it pleased the Lord to bruise his son. It pleased the Lord to see that the son soul was laid out and, and uh, was made an offering for sin. This pleased the Father because there had to be an at a, the perfect sacrifice for this nature. The sin nature, and so this pleased the Father uh, that He shall see His seed and prolong His days, um, and and then in back in verse eleven, by His knowledge shall My righteous servant justify many. Well, He sure did, didn't He? He justified many. This word uh, justify is to um, is righteousness, cleanse, to clear. By the, by the one were the many cleared. By the one were the many uh, made righteous. The availability to be righteous. Uh, for he shall bear their iniquities or their punishment, their perversity. It's another word for that. Their sin. Then verse twelve. Therefore will I provide divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. All the way back in Isaiah, uh, it speaks of what was to come. Um, but he's talking about pouring out his soul laying out his soul not his not his body i mean the body suffered but that wasn't the that wasn't the sacrifice the body it was the fact that he did not exalt himself he gave up his soul for the many and that was satisfactory for the father and and all through the old testament a, when they did the sacrifices, the lamb, uh, the lamb was sinless. Those little lambs, they didn't do any, commit any crime or anything. They were they were not sacrificed for their sins. They were they became an offering for sin. And that's what Jesus was. He he he's, he didn't sin. He became an offering for sin. And the aroma was pleasant to the father, um, but he laid out his soul, and that's that's the main thing I wanted to point out here. He he laid down his life or soul. <laughs> Look at Leviticus chapter seventeen. <clears throat> After, after looking at this, you wonder, how could anybody think that <clears throat> there w- there's not a difference between the spirit and the soul? You know, <laughs> how could it be? Well, it's called lack of, or it's called ignorance. Um, Leviticus 17, or lack of knowledge, I guess. Verse 11. Le- Leviticus 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. And uh, the the word here life is the same as soul. It is the same word that when Adam Adam became a living soul. So you, you could read it. For the soul of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood, by reason of the soul, that makes atonement. So he's he's not talking about again. He's not talking about the 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 body of flesh that we have. It's for that. It's for the soul that. That's where the life is. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and it's the soul. That that Hebrew word for soul there is nephesh, N-E-P-H-E-S-H. Only by the shedding of blood can our souls be saved. The soulish life is in the blood, and it was his blood that was poured out. His blood was poured out for our souls. Poured out for our souls. That our souls might be saved. Um, He was sinless. Uh, Now let's go back to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 20. And remember that that commandment went on that no one could eat the blood because of the life that was in the blood. Um, Matthew 20. Look at verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve, and to give his soul, or life, a ransom for many. He gave his life, his soul, a ransom for many. And even at that, you think, my goodness, here comes comes eternal God on earth, the King of kings, Lord of lords, walking on this earth, you would think, and and you see how even... uh, uh, they, they bowed down to him, but then the very next week they're crucifying him. Um, and there can all, be all kinds of reasons for that. Uh, maybe if, if he would have come as a king, um, people would have been more inclined to serve him then, you know. If he would have declared his kingship and kingdom, as far as we know kings, uh, and forced himself... <laughs> They would have had no other reason but to bow down to him, but he came as a servant to serve. And so that that wrecked many people's minds because how could he be the Messiah if he came as a servant? That was that just totally goes against the soulish uh, learning of what a king is. And yet he came to not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. And then he gave us his soul a ransom for the many, or the redemption. Um, also over in First uh, John three, verse sixteen. First <clears throat> John three sixteen. We know love by this that he laid down his his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down our lives for the brethren. This is another one of these commands, isn't it, that Ben talked about without actually pointing them out. Um, he laid down his soul for us and we ought to lay down our souls for the brethren. That's the, And that's what we lay down when we deny self, isn't it? We're, we're laying our souls down for the brethren and uh and that uh, when without any studying and just listening to to whatever we would think well I'll lay down my life uh if I see a, a little kid running out in the street I'll run and save that kid and then that's laying down my life but but what about um, uh if someone hits you with a ridicule of some sort or looks at you in a weird way and in a way that it slaps you in the face, are you able to turn the other cheek and not open your mouth? Is that, would that be kind of like laying down your soul? Um, if uh, someone is not kind to you and you think that the Christ in them should be kind to you, um, is, you know, what's the attitude? Um, what's the condition of the heart? Is the heart uh, pliable and soft like the heart that we talked about, where God can say, where you can say, it's not about me anyway, and you can pray for that person if you've been wronged. Especially this, Jesus talks about if we've been wrong and we we didn't d- deserve we weren't wrong, <laughs> but we were. It was said that we were wrong, or we were pointed out to be wrong, and we weren't wrong. Do we open up our mouth to save our souls? See, or do we just say, "God knows the condition of my heart, and that's enough." And so, um, and so, this is this. This really gets where the rubber meets the road because we ought to lay down our, our souls for the brethren. And and then it goes into uh, some real uh, down-to-earth examples. Whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? And I don't even think here... Um, well, he's, he's obviously... He is talking about the world's the things that we need for daily living. But things can be a lot deeper than just having a shirt on my back and food. Those are just basics. We can see someone, a, a dear brother or sister, that's in need of of, of prayer and nurturing and, and loving. And, uh, I mean, uh, I'm... I faced a, a lady uh here while here recently that uh her own daughter's got cancer. And 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 when you tell someone you're gonna pray for them, if in if they're spiritual at all, they expect you to do that. And not just be casual about, oh well I'll I'll pray for you and I'll pray for that person. Well that means uh that means a lot to a believer who has faith, and uh, praise the Lord. The, God's helped me with that, you know, to pray for this person, and uh, and it means a lot to the other person. And so, uh, but uh, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I mean, he, then he go. Remember, he talks about Jesus talks about love your enemies. Well, how can you love your enemies if we can't even love the brethren? <laughs> don't don't even go there uh, if we can't love one another in the way that it's pointed out here. Um, let's see. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. And see, it can go on the other side and you can get a person that <clears throat> is... Um, Let's say, in need and a Christian, and his soul uses their soul uses that for all it's worth. I'm hungry and i'm and I'm cold and I'm living out on the street, but I'm not doing anything to try to help myself, you know, and I expect the church to take care of me well, that's just as soulish as anything else and and uh, one of the apostles addresses that if you don't work you don't eat you know of course because of uh, political reasons we have to be political correct in the church today can't address that kind of stuff <laughs> but i will um but we'll move on uh so john three sixteen, and continuing on shows some real practical ways He points out on how to really love the brethren. Um, So we see that Jesus' soul became an offering for our sinful, soulish nature once and forever. Jesus gave up his soul life so we could have his zoe life. He gave up his soul life so that we could have his zoe life, the good life. Now look at uh, us. Go back to John. Chapter 10, <clears throat> John Ten Ten. the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He used to have a brother that came here long time ago. He'd say the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy and rob. I love that. <laughs> and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. He is the abundant life. And this is the zoi life he's talking about. You can Check that out, that it's the Greek word 2222. It's almost at the end of the Greek dictionary. Um, but it's zoi life. Whenever he talks about giving in this way, or having this this type of life, it's always the Zoi life because it's abundant life. He says, and might have it abundantly. And and the, the reason for that is Jesus' life, Zoi life, is abundant life. And it's not lacking at all. And when he gives you himself, you have the abundant life, abundantly. You have an abundance of of joy life. You have all that you need. Um, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, and again, that's the soul life when he lays down his life. And then I think I already pointed out. Yeah, I pointed out verse eighteen. So how he has the authority to lay down. His soul, and he has the authority to pick it up, too. So, kind of summarize a little bit of what we went over here. When Adam sinned, he took on sin, and thus the sin nature. There are no choices now with Adam, there were no choices any longer. He could not have fellowship with God in the same way that he had prior to that. Uh, no matter how good he was or how hard he tried, there was, there was not the relationship that was there before. There was not the communion. He still had his spirit, but but the soul, the sinful nature had taken over. Jesus was and is the great exchange that brings his zoe life. His life, which means Zoe in the Greek, he provided righteousness for us and a new nature. A new nature instantly, people can be born again, but the problem that prevails is there's a double minded lifestyle, you can be born again instantly. That you can have a double minded lifestyle. Now I'm going to hand out something. And look at the board. I think I'm going to hand out something. (laughs) took on the sinful nature, right? And Adam begets Adam. A sinful nature begets the sinful nature, the seed. Uh, uh, The seed begets after its kind. And then when, when Jesus came and died, when Christ died, I died. And so there's the cross. And he arose, and we know that we arose in Christ. And So in the days of the circles, um, which has been going on for some time, really we're one with Christ now. So there should be just one circle, but it kind of helps us to understand a little bit that we are seated in the heavenlies. Uh, It's a finished work. It's a legal thing when Christ comes into our life. We are seated with him in the heavenlies. And that's, that's a done deal. I mean... We need to we need to make sure that we know that and and understand it and and have faith in that, um, and I call that and we, and we call it God's eternal plan, um, if you will. There's a lot to God's eternal plan, obviously. But then there's this daily walk, and I call that possibly a God's individual plan. Don't don't think that that's in in concrete by any means. It, it might and it might not be, but, but it's a daily walk. Obviously, it's, it can't be an individual thing because we're the body of Christ and one in the body. But for clarification, uh, maybe that will help. So I want to I key in here on this daily walk. And we've seen examples of where the body is an example of the outer court of the temple and that in the holy place dwells the soul and remember your spirit, soul, and body, the spirit being the innermost, but it but the heart is in the within the innermost being of man. The holy place has the soul and then there's man's spirit. And I've got the Greek word there, pneuma, and the soul is suki the Lord showed this to me some years ago regarding the the two trees in the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Um, obviously, when Christ comes in, the tree of life enters into us because he is the tree of life. Um, and when you're saved, your, your spirit unites with Christ's spirit and you become one. And that's in the Holy of Holies. That's in man's spirit. And I just I just said there's a there's a problem here because you have a you've got a conflict that goes on from then on. And why is that? Well the the reason why is that our soul, for all of its life, however long that may be, has dealt with the knowledge of good and evil. It's all we know, isn't it? Uh if we uh if we've been raised certain ways that we got a lot of good in us, and we want to do good and we want to uh, please our parents and we want to please people and uh, and we don't want to do bad things in the connotation of the way our idea of bad is right um, if we uh, if we meet up with some people in prison, their idea of what's bad is totally different from what our idea of bad is. You know, it may be, we may not want to, uh, well, I can't quite read everything, but we might not want uh, to lie. To us, that's bad. But somebody else may not have a problem with lying. It's not bad to them. If you can believe that. So, But anyway, we got this this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, the good news is that when we're born again, because of the cross, the cross severed the root of this tree. And that's why I have this cross down here. Is that, maybe I can. Ah. <laughs> All right. All right prior to be born again we have no choice but to go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil it's got a hold of us it's got roots it's got a hold of us and so we're constantly going to that tree and we can't go to the the tree of life we don't have access to it until we see Jesus but So this has been severed, and this really is good news because we no longer have to go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't have to anymore. We can just dwell in Christ and let him speak to us about what's him and what's not him. but I just wanted to show here that even though after being born again, even though there's, there's, we're no longer uh, held by these, these roots, there's still influence going on. We're still influenced. And that's, that's why in the daily walk it's so important that we continue to abide in Him and allow Him to abide in us and that we remain in the Word and we keep our thoughts on Him. Because these things uh, in the soul realm will affect our spirit if we allow it to. And uh, it's just like, um, um, I've heard people here even, they they were musicians in the world. And they get born again, and you can get the idea that, well... I'm to be a musician for God. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But if it comes from the wrong tree, then what happens is I'm, I'm, I'm indisposable to God. I'm really good for God. And, and I've, I've heard, uh, I remember Jimmy Ned talking about that, how he was used mightily as a musician for God before he came here. And yet it just puffed him up. Just it just puffs up the soul, saying, "I'm really good for God. I'm really being used for God." And uh, and so you have you have all the uh, and and I've got Galatians five written here for a purpose, is because these are fruits of the spirit, but they can also be fruits of the soul from the from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can try to love, we can have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness in the soulish realm to a certain degree. And think that we're really something. Think that, that man, I'm just really a good Christian. Until, until that those people or those ones that know which button to push <laughs> pushes it too far, and you'll see how much this holds up. That's right. <laughs> we'll justify it, and so then we know all of the the things that are evil. I mean, we've got those under control, like disputes and dissensions and factions and envying and drunkenness and <laughs> we got all that under control, don't we? Um, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Um, but these things still influence and can, if, if the soul is allowed to dwell in this area and continue uh, to partake of this tree, what happens is the, the spirit uh, kind of goes backwards and is no longer uh, as strong, if you will, and uh, you become carnal. You can become carnal pretty fast. Um, this this has no roots in the earth because it's one with Christ. There's no roots. Um, and let's see if there's anything else here. So this is the... So the daily walk is to feed the spirit and build up the spirit and to deny self, the soul, deny self take up your cross and follow Jesus um, the more that's done the less the soul has an influence on the spirit the less the and the soul is in the process of coming under the reign of the Holy Spirit who dwells in the innermost being um, so with that let me go back I think that's what I wanted to say on that So you see how that, you can see how how in the world can I have it, still have a double-minded lifestyle? Well, there's still two trees, and even though the, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, really the, the roots have been severed, they can still influence you greatly. And that's why there's a need for uh, the daily walk, the daily uh, taking up our crosses in following Christ, um, I want to talk about. Uh, I'll start on this because we started late. Um, Satan's major, probably Satan's major areas of influence. Um, turn to Second Kings, chapter one. I'll get into this a little bit and give you some. Let you chew on this for a week. Second Kings chapter one. <clears throat> this is the story of uh, in chapter one of Asi. I mean of Kings, uh, Ahaziah, um fell through a lattice and became ill, and so he sends messengers after Elijah. And wants Elijah to come and heal him. Um, and uh, so what happens, for those of you that aren't familiar with the story, uh, he sends a uh, he's, he sends 50, 50 uh, messengers, 50 soldiers uh, along with the leader. And so Elijah's just sitting up there on the hill and sees them coming. And they say, uh, look in verse 10, And, and Elijah answered and said, To the captain of 50, if I am a man of God, because he says, Oh man of God, the king says, Come down. So Elijah says, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. And so then uh, Ah Ahaziah (coughs) sent another uh, captain with 50. The same thing happens again, they get consumed. And so finally, he sends a third captain with his 50. This third captain got smart and comes crawling on his feet in the proper mode, (laughs) the proper stature. And uh, so Elijah ends up going, but this Ah Ahaziah ended up dying anyway. So he could have kept from getting 102 men killed. But... um, but anyway, with that, I want us to look at Luke chapter 9. So that was Elijah. Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 51. <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is right after the so-called test of greatness that took place. He wanted to know who was the greatest amongst them. And uh, and so then in verse 51, it came about when the days were approaching for his ascension that he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. And they did not receive him because he was journeying with his face toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, now look who the disciples are here, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Okay, that was, uh, that was 9. Okay. 51 through 56. Yeah. But the main thing here is is they, they've read the Scriptures. They're well versed in it. And they saw what the great Elijah did. And so they're, they're saying, hey, do you want us to command fire and, and burn these people up because they didn't receive you? And uh, he says, you don't know what spirit you are. And, and of course, they were of a spirit you could call they were being super soulish i don't know if you've ever been around some christians that have been in this type of spirit but i have i've actually been around some and uh they're they could do no wrong and uh they were high and mighty and above all others and other well-meaning christians and we have to be careful and make sure that we don't get this way uh I've been out on the streets of Mardi Gras and I've seen all kinds of stuff going on with, with other Christians. And, and on occasions, the Lord's rebuked me saying, Hey, you don't have any clue that these people are not out here of me or not. It's just their manner of, of, uh, of uh, ministering is different. And their way may work and their way may not work, but, but who am I to judge? and uh and so just seek his face and uh, if it looks odd or weird or if it doesn't look right then you, the lord can deal with that and uh i've seen christians get in it face to face with the methods <laughs> with the different methods of what they think is right and they think is wrong do we th- uh so we have to say is god not able to to deal with his people he is well able. And uh, the, uh, the interesting thing when finally uh, that broke in, that, that came to us as a body um, to pray instead of look that what was happening was the Lord was drawing uh, people to us and to our environment, running away from others, but coming and getting ministered to in the environment around us. And, you know, God did that. It wasn't because we were super spiritual or anything. But yet I was seeing other people being saved by the different ways of ministering that were totally not my kind of way. Um, so so what spirit are they? Uh, I don't think it's wrong to discerned by the spirit of god that someone someone is of this type of spirit um i think you can know that that uh, man this person's got an elijah spirit and it's not of god in this case and that's not saying that elijah wasn't right there but we see the disciples here and jesus himself said you know not what of what spirit you're of Um, it starts with just a little thought Oh, in the name of Jesus, we could do this. In the mighty name of Jesus. This is not of Jesus. This is not of God. So we're going to help God out and uh, call down fire from heaven in the name of Jesus. And uh, so, um, in, uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. There are, there are right ways and wrong ways of dealing with that. Um, but you better be led by God if you deal with it, you know? Um, because it can come right back at you. Um, you, know, you see how, how Jesus himself addressed it, and he was, he was rightful in doing it. Only Christ can deal with that. <laughs> so it better be Christ in you that deals with it and not your soul uh, trying to bring conflict. Um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, <clears throat> We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And, and I just like the way that's worded. That that uh, we better be doing that, right? <clears throat> we better. The wording here is we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And see, that's what's important here is that um, the Lord is, reminds me constantly that that not that there's so many churches out there on all these corners and they're all they're all doing hopefully what God's called them to do. Now, not all of them may be. But God's able to take care of His church without me going into them and trying to set them straight. You know? Um, Or talking about them or ridiculing them or Telling other people not to go there, uh, God said He would build His church and the kingdom of how's it go? The oh, uh, I can't remember. He said, "I will build my church." And kingdom of hell, Hades, kingdom of hell can't come against it. Something like that. Yeah, shall not prevail against it. Yeah, that's. That's right. So, see, God is in the church building business, not man. And man is not supposed to be in the church tearing down business. See? <laughs> yes. Yeah.